welcome, friends, fans, and colleagues. It's uh, Wednesday, so you know it is Voices of the Sacred Feminine Day. And uh, that little snippet uh, called uh, Weave and Spin, opening up the show, well, you know, I have to say that is one of my favorites. Whenever I hear it, it makes me, just makes me feel good. And uh, you can actually find it for yourself uh, if you'd like to add it to your to your sacred music or your ritual music. Um, uh, re- the Reclaiming Folks um, have a, a DVD out called um, I'm pretty sure it's something. The title is something like Campfire Chants, and uh, they're meant to raise energy and uh, therefore social justice activism and that sort of thing. And uh, I just love that. One, uh, Weave and Spin, and they have a lot of other great ones too Rising of the Moon, Sweet Water, The Welcome Flame, Wheel of the Year. Um, so, yeah, check them out Reclaiming Campfire Songs or Chants. So, uh, I'm so glad to be with you uh, this week. Uh, I look forward to this uh, one hour a week, uh, like you just uh, can't imagine. Uh, it's, you know, my time to be with you, my uh, like minded sisters and brothers out there. And uh, I want to thank those of you who have sent me emails saying, you know, how important the show is to you during this tumultuous time. Um, I totally understand that. Um, you know, it is my sanctuary too. Uh, so thank you for those emails. And um, I am happy to say I, I have a great show for you today. Um, I always believe I have a great show, sincerely. Uh, I choose my guests with great care and the topics with great care. And today um, I am uh, happy that Deanne Quarry uh, has agreed to uh, come and uh, have a chat with me here. We're going to be talking about Hecate and how she's uh, reemerging. Uh, in fact, uh, Deanne says she's roaring uh, at this time, and uh, that's what our conversation is going to be about today. But let me tell you about Deanne uh, because uh, there's a lot to say. Uh, she is an ordained uh, minister and a priestess of goddess. She's the author of six books. Uh, she's also the founder of the Apple Branch, where she teaches courses in feminist Dianic and Northern European witchcraft. Uh, she's a priestess hierophant in the Fellowship of Isis, like me. And uh, she's also a torchbearer in the Covenant of Hecate. Uh, I don't know about that, so I'm going to have to ask her about the Covenant of Hecate. Uh, she mentors those who wish to serve others in their communities. Uh, she's also a founder of the Liminal Theological Seminar- Seminary. Very interesting. Uh, she is currently working with her newest project, Hecate's Tribe, uh, creating group workings with Hecate uh, holding the center. So welcome, Deanne, to the show. Thank you so much, Karen. I'm really happy to be here. Well, you know, let's get it out of the way at the very beginning here. Are we going to call her Hecate or Hecate? <laughs> well, you know what? It changes. Sometimes I say Hecate and sometimes I say Hecate, and then there's always that Hecate without the H. Um, I said okay. Hecate for years okay. and years, so, you know, it's, everything is okay. acceptable. 
All right. All right. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, um, for those listeners, um, you know, because I always have new people coming to the show, and uh, even the oldies but goodies people, you know, they, uh, you know, are, are here to, you know, still learn as well. Um, why don't you, um, you know, it sounds like you have really dived deep into Hikate. Um, why don't you tell us um, who she is? Okay. Um, of course, first of all, she is a goddess, um, but she has also many goddesses, and we'll talk about that later. Um, but she is very ancient. Um, no one, no one really knows for sure where she started. Um, some people agree that she is a titan. Um, for those of you who don't know, a titan. Titans were the gods that preceded the Olympian gods, which we pretty much know more about the Olympian gods. He was the leader of those. But Hecate was a titan, so she preceded all of those Olympian gods. Um, Some people think that she came from Thrace, which um, is today modern Bulgaria, um, right above Greece. Um, She is completed with the goddess Bendis, uh, which is kind of funny because that's my goddess name is Bendis. I didn't know when I took the name Bendis that she was even with Hecate, which is really strange. But um, she's also thought to be from Anatolia, which is the western edge of Turkey today. Um, but she's everywhere. But, you know, she's known as so, Got it. Okay. Um, so, Deanne, um, I know we talked a little bit about this before the show started, and you were sounding better before the show started than now. I don't know if you're a little bit further away from the phone, uh, but, you know, we're losing some of your words a little bit. They're not real, you know, clear and crisp. Um, if there's a way okay. for you to be closer to the speakerphone. Um, I just took or it off. You can I just go took back. it off speaker. Okay, that is so much better. I mean, like on a scale good, from one to good. ten, you were like I was a four con- before, I was and now you're a ten. About that. Yeah, that's why I brought yeah. it up because yeah. that, sometimes okay. it happens. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Okay. So we think she she could be a titan. She's definitely uh, a goddess. We mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, I'm just repeating this in case some people missed it. Right. Uh, we don't know how far back she really goes, but she's all through Greece and uh, Western Turkey. Um, does that kind mm-hmm. of sum it up? Yes. And okay. I, I could say a little okay. bit more about her too. Her name actually means worker from afar. Um, that's what the Greeks named her. So she could, you know, obviously she came from afar. Um, there's debates about whether it means that she came from afar or whether she does her work from afar, but personally I think it's that she came from afar. You have to remember, we think of Greece as this country, you know, that <clears throat> hangs down into the Mediterranean Back then, the Greek Empire was huge. You know, it went all the way, say, to Italy, across the top of the Mediterranean on into Turkey. So it was a very large area. And all the things that we know about her come from written material, which was written just like in all the other cultures 
was written after patriarchy settled in. And so it was, the material was written by the influence of patriarchal thought. Um, you know, okay. So we all, and, we and all you know what you, translate. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, and, and, you know, what you're making me think about is um, when we would travel to sacred sites in Greece and Turkey, mm-hmm. um, especially Greece, I remember, uh, they always had their archaeological sites, uh, well, which were their old cities, you know, because, um, mm-hmm. right. uh, I mean, it's not like they, they moved the temples. They all, it, it was interesting, I found, because I was always there looking for ISIS. And, I, and, I, and you know, after a couple days, it finally clipped. Um, the Greeks mm-hmm. had divided their city into, like, the foreign gods versus the local gods. And ISIS was always with the foreign gods. And um, Hecate being from afar, um, I wonder if that meant they considered her, um, you know, uh, maybe from, uh, you know, from beyond their boundaries, I guess, is what I'm, what I'm thinking. Uh, I wonder if they considered her a foreign god in a sense. It's possible. You know, I think by the time they wrote about her, um, they considered her Greek, but it is very possible pre, what is it, um, anywhere from a few hundred years B.C. to after all the written material was written in those first few centuries, um, it was already well seeded that she was Greek. Yeah. Well, and also, doesn't um, sometimes with the three-faced goddesses, uh, isn't she one of the three faces sometimes? Oh, yeah. She is known as a, a, a three-faced goddess. Well, she's also known as a four-faced. But um, people today, when they look at Hecate and see her as a three-faced goddess, they automatically assume that it's made Mother Crone, <clears throat> much like a lot of other goddesses are viewed, but that's only recent thought. It was pretty much made popular by Robert Graves and his triple goddess image. Um, her three faces deal more with the three realms that she rules. Um, you can say upper, upper, middle, and lower, or um, the sky, the land, and the sea, or the underworld, which they were pretty much the same. And those were her realms rather than Maiden Mother Crone. Well, and I'm wondering, too, you know, I'm still stuck on this uh, goddess from afar thing. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. we know uh, Venus's meteorite, you know, (laughs) fell down from the sky. uh, And, you know, they believed Venus resided in the heavens. Um, You know, do we have any origin stories on Hecate? Could it be she's from the heavens? could be. Um, her mother was Asteria, who is the goddess of all the stars. So, <laughs> could be. <laughs> yeah, interesting. She's interesting. not known as that, but yes, um, definitely. 
Um, well, if, um, while we're on geography, um, I'll just mention this uh, before I forget. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about when I was leading a tour to Turkey. Um, we found, uh, we, well, we didn't find, I mean, um, the only known standing temple to Hecate uh, is where we visited, and it's a little in a little city called Lagina, uh, or Lagina, right. L-A-G-I-N-A. Um, and it was really interesting. Um, I, I wanted to share with listeners what I shared with Deanne. Um, you know, as we traveled to these sacred sites uh, all around, uh, without a doubt, every site we went to was just overrun with feral cats. I mean, it got to the point where we would put half of our breakfast in our purse uh, or our backpack in the morning because we knew every time we hit a site we were going to find, you know, kitties who were just starving and looking for something to eat. But when we got to um, Lagina, um, the bus driver opened the bus, and before any of us knew what was happening, this black dog uh, came bounding in the bus, just so happy to see us, welcoming us. And we know, um, I believe even a black dog is supposed to be one of her manifestations, isn't it? Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. She's seen in, all, in most illustrations with her black dog, more than one. Yeah, 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 that was pretty incredible. With her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, so I mean, I when that happened. Saying, Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, and yeah, I choose, uh, I really chose to see the magic in that because, uh, like I said, every other site was just overrun with cats. This site had no cats, but this black dog, and um, I don't know, it just, it just felt like such a special gift. Like she was really acknowledging that she knew we were there to see her, and she was so happy about it. And uh, right. we even went to what we what we thought was maybe the cella or innermost uh, section of her temple, and we did ritual there. And uh, I know it just it just felt like such a incredible thing to do um but anyway I, I i just wanted to share that with everyone because i don't think most people uh realize that she doesn't have a lot of temples uh standing or at least none that have been found yet uh in the ancient world you know so many of the other goddesses do but right. she doesn't um do you right. have any idea why that might be deanne um probably because she was more known for, you'll find images of her or statues of her at entrances to places, on people's doors, entrances into cities, because she was a threshold goddess, which we haven't gotten to that part yet. Um, but that's where she was depicted, was on thresholds, more than temples. Interesting. Interesting. And, you know, that was the same with Lakshmi. Um, And I'm willing to be corrected here, but I read numerous things that said Lakshmi did not have her own temples, but you saw her on pediments, uh, especially at banks and places like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, let's, let's get into this. Um, you know, she's a threshold goddess. What does that mean, Deanne? Um, well, of course, the threshold, let's say your front door, you know, you have the outside and the inside of your house, and that threshold is that point between the two. Um, so 
Hecate is is responsible for all of those places, and they are known as liminal spaces because the word lime and lemon, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, um, means a threshold. So edges, anything, um, anything that's in between one place and another, and we'll get into great detail with that in a few minutes, but she was, that was the place. So you've got all the three worlds that she, she rules in all of these three worlds, but she also rules in those places in between the worlds because there is an edge. You know, there is a spot that you go from one to the other, and she bridges all of those worlds, and that edge is the bridge, that makes any sense. Well, why is uh, it, explain to listeners in your words why that's important? Why would somebody want to be a liminal or threshold goddess? Why why should oh, you know, why goodness. is that important to us? Well, we have to look at our lives and and everything around us as far as what is liminal, the edge of of, of a lake, from going from the beach to the water, the in our lives, going from one step to the next, from one place to another, throughout our whole, all of our lives, we have threshold moments when we go from, say, thinking this, and then suddenly, oh my goodness, something else means something different. You know, we've learned something new, boom, boom, one to the other, um, from birth to death. You know, that moment when an infant takes its first breath when it goes from being fetus to a living baby. Or when we die, we go from a human being to spirit completely. Uh, <laughs> but it's a boundary. Anything, any edge, any kind of an edge. Um, if you can, for a moment, think about the on the ocean, the wave coming in, rolling into the shore. And, and it gets smaller and smaller, of course, as it creeps up on the sand, and then suddenly it starts to retreat. And it's at that sudden moment that is the liminal moment. Um, dawn, dusk. Um, let's say you're walking along, and suddenly you're in this big fog. It just came out of nowhere. That moment that you walked in is that moment when we first wake up in the morning. We first go to, just before we go to sleep at night. I could just go on, on and on and on about all of the things in our (laughs) lives that are liminal. You know, it, it just, it is such a huge part of who we are and how we live our lives. And of course, Hecate is the goddess of all those moments. So, we may not even be aware of that moment until later. But yeah, she's I mean, the it goddess really that helps us you... through all of them. Go ahead. Well, and, and it so, sort of gives you pause, you know, because you think, you know, I, I'm visualizing the threshold as, um, as sort of the symbol that but all of the ones you gave are, are perfect. But for me, the it's it's like she's she's holding space in that in-between, mm-hmm. 
and, and, and yep. she she's she's part of yesterday, but she's also part of the potential for tomorrow. You know, the potential Correct. of what we're going to step into. And that might be a good segue, uh, Deanne, for, you know, you say she's reemerging and she's roaring right now. Is Does that have to do with the, you know, this, uh, you know, kind of place we find ourselves in, uh, this limbo place um, in the pandemic? Okay. Um. We're jumping. I had a lot of material that I was going to talk about, but that's all right. Um, yes, you know, when we just take a look around um, in our world today and everything that's going on with, the, of course, the pandemic, about, I mean, wars and, you know, the unrest and the problems that exist, the hunger and the starvation and the state. The state of our world is chaotic. It is absolute chaos. And, there, of course, there is a goddess. <laughs> there is a goddess that represents um, what happens to us when we see all of this. When we see, at least for me, when I see all of this horrible stuff going on in the world that we as human beings maybe could have prevented or could stop, it makes me terribly angry. I do get really angry. Um, and the goddess of that raging anger is none other than Hecate Brimo. And she's at work. She is at work. She is She is angry. And I think that she would be the perfect goddess at this moment for us to take that anger and channel. You know what I mean? Channel yeah. something. People, yeah, I, people talk about the new normal, whatever that is, I don't. I hope that what's going on now is not the new normal. I hope, you know, that we can take this anger and this whatever that's going on and channel it in the uh, new normal that's beautiful. Yeah, I I agree, and I think that's what I think that is what people mean by a new normal. They don't want to go back to the old normal. They certainly oh. don't consider this the new normal. Um, I think they mean the stuff that we're seeing, um, the shift that people want in the world. I think that's what they're referring to as the new normal. But this um, Hikate Brimo is is new to me. I want to spell it for mm. folks. It's Hikate Brimo, B-R-I-M-O. Um, and, and Dan, um, I, I didn't mean to, um, kind of jump you ahead. Uh, I don't want to miss the, I, I don't want to miss the stuff you were going to say because, you know, I, okay. I started, uh, I started leading you down that other path. Um, what other things did you want to make sure we know about Hikate? Oh, well, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about who she is and how we view her, um, me back up. I have some notes just in case I got lost. You know, at my age, we have to protect ourselves from that. <laughs> I am 78, yeah, I, by the way. My, my so. list. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. And you're still going really strong. You know, it must be that oh, Hikate yeah. oh, energy yeah. uh, filling you. <laughs> I am. I so, am. Yeah. So, she's, she's, what I wanted to say was that not only does she 
take care of those liminal spaces and the realms themselves, but she is also a link a, a uh, between all the deities so that she, you know, she's been used like as an oracle because she can link all of that together and bring us messages from all the deities because she is the one that connects them. She weaves the thread, which is like your music that you played before, you know, weave and spin. She is weaving the threads of the universe through all the deities. It's pretty amazing. And all this comes from texts, um, different texts, the Chaldean oracles use her as the universal deity. Um, some of these things are really hard to read as a Dianic, feminist Dianic, and they're all oh so ultra patriarchal that you have to really be able to translate and dig. Um, but Hecate is the, she holds the domain of the angels, and the angels were messengers, and she was responsible for all of that. So she's huge. Um, she has what I wanted to get to is that she has over 200 epithets an epithet is um, like um, some kind of an attribute that has been ascribed to her when she traveled through all of these places all over you know eventually even with the Roman Empire went all the way up into Great Britain she you know she sometimes worked with the deities that were of the local area. Sometimes she took on their attributes and sometimes they adopted her. So she has these epithets and they all mean something like my particular Hecate that I work with the most is Hecate Propolos. Propolos meaning guide. She is my guide. Um, and of course it was Hecate who and it was Hecate Propolis, actually, who guided Persephone from the underworld to bring her back to Demeter. Um, I'm trying to think of all the one um, the epithets. Of, it's just there's so many. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, of course, we talked about Brimo. And... Um, and- is there a Hecate hmm? Deanne? Is there a Hecate Deanne? Not, not that I know of. Not that I know of. of course, oh, okay. Deanne comes from Diana, and Diana was Roman, but she was, you know, came from Artemis. But even Artemis and Hecate have been seen as the same goddess in places, so it, it gets very confusing. But you talked about, you know, you mentioned that I was working, creating this work for Hecate. Uh, I realized about three years ago that while Hecate had been my guiding goddess, so to speak, 33 years now, she has been the goddess that I dedicated all of my work to back in the late 80s. Um just seemed appropriate. I didn't even know who she was, just that she visited me. Um, And I thought it was a good idea since she had come to me, the very first goddess that had ever come to me, 
that I should dedicate my work to her. But I never studied her. I never, I never even read the text or did anything. It, it's just I knew her as she came to me, and that was it, and that was all that mattered. But about three years ago, I kind of woke up and said, that's pretty bad that I really should know about this goddess other than my personal experience. And so I started reading. Um, I still haven't read the old texts all the way through. Oh, my goodness. It's so hard to read. Um, but, you know, there are some really good books, really good books about her now. And so I started reading okay. about her. Uh, maybe four years ago, I joined the Covenant of Fecate, which is an organization, worldwide organization, um, started by Sarita de Este for Hecate and for her followers. And I just kept reading. And then I decided that uh, I had to do something to give back to her. For everything that she had given me, I needed to give back. <laughs> and so I started writing rituals for her. Um, they may change over time, but I started out with a sort of a progressive how we follow the year seasonally and everything else with the lunar cycles and I started writing rituals for her. And I now have a whole year's worth of them, but about a year ago we opened we opened it to other people and I have a local circle and I have an online circle um, where we follow these cycles with Hecate, there is no way that I can put Hecate into the typical pagan eight Sabbath system. She just does not follow, but that that's Hecate. She's not going to follow anybody's system. You know, she's very independent. So what we're doing is creating holy days for her that some of them already exist you know, special days that are her days instead of the Sabbaths. Unfortunately, we can place them near, on, or about the Sabbaths that people are used to celebrating. So it's working out pretty well. Okay. You know, um, I, Deanne, we have to take a, Deanne, we have to take a break. Um, and I uh-huh. want to come back, and I want to hear. I want to hear more about this. Um, uh, okay. I want to hear about some of her ho- some of her holy days. And uh, before I forget to say it, uh, those rituals that you're creating probably really need to be turned into a book. Um, in you uh-huh. know, in, in, even if you have to self-publish it on Kindle. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's take a break right now, and we're going to come back. I also want to hear about uh, if, if you if you feel it's not too intimate to share. Uh, I want to hear mm-hmm. about how she came to you and how you recognized her. But okay. uh, but first um, uh, first I have to uh, share with listeners. I have a word from Laura Perry uh, and Joe Carson, and uh, we will be right back in about two minutes. Okay. The Minoans of ancient Crete, an egalitarian society where women were honored, where the sacred feminine was revered, where peace and prosperity reigned for centuries. Hi, I'm Laura Perry, and I'd love to help bring the ancient Minoans to life for you. Explore Minoan spirituality with my books, Labyrinth and Horns, 
and Ariadne's Thread. Embrace your creative side with the Minoan Coloring Book and discover the wonders of divination with the Minoan Tarot. You'll find all these at Amazon and other good online and local bookstores. Find out more on my website, lauraperryauthor.com. And here's a clip from the trailer for Joe Carson's film, uh, Dancing with Gaia. Hello, let me say a few things about Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia, an exploration of Earth-based spirituality shot at sacred sites around the world. Here is Drusilla Pettibone on Dearmist.com. I was truly touched and even awed by the film. I really appreciate that there is so much substantive information to digest. For example, the info about hinges and tracing the horizon line is all new to me and totally fascinating. The film was very beautiful and I was amazed how it was able to capture so many of the descriptions visually and seamlessly connect vintage footage with modern. I especially loved when images were dynamically superimposed on each other, like the lace with the water and the dancing in the flowering meadow. A visual feast and with so many layers. I am also pleased to have been introduced to Monica Shu and her work. It's so important for pagans to become aware of our heritage. It seems easily lost among so many new books, and the film really brought me home in a new way. Dancing with Gaia is available at dancingwithgaia.com. That was uh, Dancing with Gaia uh, that we were talking about with uh, Drusilla and uh, is available only at dancingwithgaia.com. And if you're tuning in late, uh, I just want to let you know I am here with uh, Deanne Quarry. She's an ordained minister, priestess of the goddess. Uh, She's a founder of Apple Branch where she teaches uh, courses uh, in feminist uh, Dianic uh, spirituality as well as the Northern European um, traditions. Uh, She's a a sister priestess, uh, Hierophant, in the uh, Fellowship of Isis. And uh, she's also a torchbearer in the Covenant of Hecate. And uh, we're talking about uh, so much of her uh, life's work uh, with Hikate and um, Deanne, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'd like to ask if you're comfortable sharing it. Uh, you said um, Hikate came to you. Um, would you mind sharing what that was like with listeners? I'd be happy to. Um, first of all, I will say that I was pretty new to the idea of goddess. Um, the concept wasn't new to me, but naming naming as female was new to me, all right? 
Um, I was never Christian, but in my idea of how I live my life and everything else was God of spirituality and magic and crap. I just didn't have names for any of it. So I did a lot of meditation wanting a goddess to come to me. And um, so and during one meditation, the spirit or whatever did come to me. I didn't know that it was her at that time. Um, I didn't even know what she wanted, and I was kind of amazed. Now, first of all, I will explain that I am kinesthetic in my sensing ability. I'm not visual, so I didn't see her. I'm not auditory, so I didn't hear her, but I knew what she was saying, if that makes any sense. Um, And I felt her presence. It's a bodily experience. So um, after a few visits, I really just kind of asked what what did this person, their spirit, want from me? And the message that I got was that she was there to help me find my bliss. Well, that kind of took me by surprise, but then I realized that I was a very uh, linear thinking. I was very competitive. I was very, I was a product of the patriarchy in, in a few words. And I realized that somehow through all this process of the way we educate children and how we live our lives, I had lost my creative dancing soul that I was when I was younger. And so I thought, okay, so that's what started me on the path. Now, I told somebody once that I had this spirit that visited me and they asked me who it was and I said, well, I don't know. Remember, I was new at all this. And they said, well, ask. So the next time next time it happened, which wasn't every time I meditated, I said, who are you? And she told me that she was Ekte and that she was there to guide me on my path, that she wanted me to work with her. And it was to find my bliss. And finding my bliss really turned out to be learning how to get out of my head and into my body and experience life in its wholeness from a sensory experience. Now, who would who would ever think that Hecate would come with that message, really, as we know her, the scary, scary goddess? But that's well, how she came to me. Well, Deanne... Um, okay, I, I want to I want to sort of piggyback on something you just said. Um, you sure. said who would think this scary goddess would come to you and teach you about finding your bliss? Um, mm-hmm. Has has Hikate gotten a scary reputation? And speak to that a little bit. Okay, well she's known as goddess of the underworld, goddess of the darkness, and everybody thinks the underworld is you know like she guides the dead. You know, that makes her scary right there, that she deals with the dead to most people, all right? It doesn't to me. It probably doesn't to you. But that's the image that people have of her, that she's down there with the dead. And that makes her scary. I've never seen her as scary. But, you know, because I guess the underworld and the dead, doesn't that doesn't scare me. But... Um, a lot of people yeah. see her that way. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, and when you, you know, when you think about that, I mean, Anubis, uh, you know, he's also someone mm-hmm. that leads, you know, people in the underworld. Persephone resides in the underworld. But somehow Persephone has managed to escape that scary label, I think, though. Yes, yes, she certainly has, um, even though she is the queen yeah. of the underworld. <laughs> She's seen as that right, little right. maiden, you know, in the in picking flowers. Yeah. Um, now you said before that you know you you are creating these rituals, yearly rituals, holy mm-hmm. days for her. Uh, I I love that you're doing that. Um, the group I worked with for a long time, we uh, did the same thing with Isis rituals. We um, made them more relevant for contemporary times. Mm-hmm. And but um, explain to me why she doesn't fit comfortably in to your normal, I guess, wheel of the year. Is is that what you meant? Yes, but in the wheel of the year, if you're looking at the eight habits, you know, the changing of the seasons, she really isn't really, other than in the Persephone story, isn't involved in changing seasons. She's constant. Um, she isn't an agricultural goddess, not associated with agriculture. And our sabbats, pagan sabbats, which come from European, basically European origins, they're all based on agriculture as well. So we do have a light and dark. We have celebrations for when when we go into the dark. All right? We call it the descent. And we have a celebration for when we come back out of the dark and we follow four months in the dark instead of six. You know, Persephone's story, some people say that it's a six and six. Some people say it's four and eight. But our winters where I live are maybe four months long, so we chose to follow that. And we have a descent in September and the ascent in February. So those are two. Okay. You know, they follow around the same times as a couple of Sabbaths that we would celebrate, the Folly, Knox, and Imbolc. So they're close, but they don't mean the same thing. And so then let me there, ask you, there's would a, Samhain, mm-hmm. would, would Samhain uh, I mean, is, is she associated with Samhain? Technically, no, but we have celebrated her at Samhain. You know, um, she has been across pretty much for many, many years been celebrated at Samhain, but in ancient days, I don't think she was. Um there, there have been days assigned to her. I've read November the 15th is a her day. I don't know. These are new. November 30th is called Hecate's Night. But then there's, and there's one in August that's celebrated with Hecate and Artemis, and it's a it's kind of a different day. So we've, we're trying. This is our first year to try to figure out what our Sabbaths are going to be, you know. And we know we have the ascent and the descent because we've done those. And in at summer solstice, we have one. We put one at summer solstice, and we call it our right of sovereignty. Uh, which was, we just did that one for the first time at summer solstice, and it was awesome. You know, every member of the tribe, we call ourselves the tribe, declared their personal sovereignty based on Hecate being a sovereign goddess. 
kind of cool. You know, so we're playing, we're creating. Yes, yes. Um, so let me let me ask you, Deanne, uh, for somebody mm-hmm. who's listening to us right now, um, mm-hmm. how would how would they know if Hikate might be for them? Um, you know, where might Hikate take someone? Uh, you know, how would they know if they want to venerate uh, Hikate or look more deeply into her? Do you have any tips or advice? Um, I would first, like I would do with any goddess that was new to me or that I wanted to know something about or wanted to work with, my process is always to read what I can find. Everywhere that I can find it, read it. Um, I'm, a, you know, I'm a book person. I my, made my living in the book industry before I retired. So I read everything you can get your hands on about her. And there's so much out there. The best one, very best one to start with is called Circle or Hecate. Pretty much could learn anything you'd want to know about her from that one book. So, um, And then... Sit with her. Sit in meditation. Sit and ask if she'll come to you. You just never know. She's coming to a lot of people right now. Um, I'm amazed. I was on a, I was in a Facebook group last year. It had almost six thousand members, and it went from zero to six thousand before, from June to November. I, in that short a period of time, there were 6,000 people on that Facebook group who wanted to know about Hecate. If anywhere you go on the Internet, there's classes that are coming up everywhere about her. Um, people are hungry for a goddess like Hecate. And she's not scary. That, <laughs> she's just not scary. You know, and... Now, when, yeah, you know, I, um, I don't know, you know, maybe I'm, I just romanticize the goddesses too much, but I know when people were telling me, oh, beware of Sekhmet, she's scary. You know, I didn't find her scary either. Um, I almost, no. I, you know, I almost feel like, um, you know, that's um, patriarchy's way of, uh, mm-hmm. pr- you know, trying to prevent us from finding our own self-empowerment, you know. Uh, they don't want us Absolutely. to align with these powerful sacred energies, you know. They want to scare us. You know, they don't even mm-hmm. want us to find our own empowerment. Um, but, um, you know, I, I find this interesting that she's on the rise right now. It seems like sometimes goddesses go in waves. Um, I mean, I know some years ago it seemed like it was all Mary Magdalene, you know. Um, right. Oh, yeah, I remember all seems, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and people were rediscovering Mary Magdalene and who she was, and, and she's our, our goddess now. And I, I could go with all that. That was cool. But it was interesting, that wave. And do you think it's because people are set up? I mean, uh, with the world, you know, they're tired of the abuse, the exploitation, um, you know, they, they, uh, they, they just don't want to be doormats anymore. And powerful goddesses like Hikate, like Sekhmet, like Kali, maybe the Morrigan, um, and I'm sure there are others. I mean, even universal goddesses like Isis, they're incredibly powerful. 
um, you know, that we can call on them at a time like this. Um, you know, maybe they give us comfort and solace and justification for feeling the way we do, you know, um, in a way to channel that sacred rage. Absolutely. You, I think hit it on the nail as they, these, let's call them dark goddesses, you know, um, even though Hecate has one epithet that, that, that means savior. So Tara is Hecate's savior. So that we are drawn to them. We are just drawn to these dark goddesses once we get over the idea that dark is bad because they are so powerful, so absolutely powerful. And Hecate, because she was a titan, which the titans were of a primal energy, we need those primal energies and we feel them in this chaotic world that we live in. We truly feel them. And we have to have powerful deities to help us through this. Well, and, and you know, I think um, this is one reason why people, uh, or just one of many, a uh, reason why people are walking away from organized religion because, you know, I, I and I've said this before and I will keep saying it to punctuate the point, you know, I'm a, I'm a former Catholic. I call myself a recovering Catholic. You know, we see Jesus on the cross and we're supposed to think, um, you know, be, be grateful for his death. He died for our sins. And, you know, th- this narrative starts that, you know, we, want, we should emulate him. We should make suffering and sacrifice noble. Well, you know, who does that serve? You know, that, I don't think that serves us to make suffering and sacrifice noble. That serves the patriarchy. That serves predator capitalism. That serves all of the forces out there who want to abuse and exploit us if we buy into that. Where we have the opposite here with these sorts of goddesses that say, no, stand up, you know, fight back, um, resist, uh, be joyous, find pleasure, uh, find your bliss, uh, because, you know, you don't, I don't know, at least, you know, maybe at least the teachings I ran into as a, as a Catholic, nothing was about your sacred sexuality, it wasn't about finding your bliss, uh, it was all about, in, you know, uh, the indoctrination of suffering and sacrifice, and Um, I don't know. No wonder people are tired of this. (laughs) Right. I mean, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, of course, which is my Catholic. Um, I chose to go. From the time I was six, I asked my parents to take me, and they did diligently. My entire childhood, every Sunday, took me to church when they did not go. And I continued that until I was like 45. But I was never at any point ever a Christian. I went because it gave me community, it gave me, and I could translate. Episcopal Church is not as harsh as the Catholic Church. I could translate into my own definitions and whatever, and I loved the ritual. Oh, my gosh, I love the ritual. But it, you're right. It doesn't serve me to be made to feel bad about myself. I used to ask as a kid, why do I need to be saved? <laughs> Why would I yeah. need to be saved? I'm good, right? As as a little girl, yeah. I can say that. I strived to be good. I was afraid of 
getting in trouble. So <laughs> it just didn't serve me, and I don't think it is serving a lot of people. And they are not just, you know, the pagan population is really growing. Yeah. I, I don't know the statistics, um, but I would guess it's the fastest growing spiritual path in the world. Yeah. Because people um, are disillusioned. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the University of New York did a study a number of years ago, and if you mm-hmm. combined all the different aspects of, I'll just loosely call it paganism, it was uh, one of the fastest growing. Um, the only reason it, it didn't stand out was because they had subdivided the groups um, so mm-hmm. much that it was mis- right. it was misleading, but um, well, Dean, uh, we have about uh, eight minutes left. Um, I want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the time is, has has really flown here. Um, I, I want to uh, ask you what what do we you know what more do you want to tell us about Hecate that I haven't thought to ask? What more? Well, that would help people help people see an image of Hecate other than as the leader of the dead in this dark world of the underworld. Um, she was, first of all, a virgin goddess, like your Artemis. She was a virgin goddess. She is seen in all, all of the texts where they wrote about her in ancient days. She was seen as a maiden wearing saffron, saffron robes and veils. Can you imagine beautiful saffron-colored robes? That's not scary. Um, no. It's, you know, she was beautiful. Uh, her cohort in the underworld is Hermes, also known as Mercury in the Roman Empire. And he was a messenger, and all the statues of him, he's quite appealing, you know. But... Uh, She's also seen in statues that she's seen with foreheads. You know, she's associated with animals a lot. And her foreheads are all animal heads. One of them, I'm trying to think if I can remember, one is a horse, one is a a bull or a cow. One of them is the hydra, which, you know, a serpent underworld has five heads. Um, She can be scary, but those are animals that she's seen in her epithets, you know. So oftentimes she's called bull-faced or bull-horned. Just lots of funny names um, where people, that's how people have seen her. Just, you know, and I think that we're free today to name her as we see her. Because she's going to come to us in many, many ways that don't resemble what we thought she was going to be like. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, when you make offerings to her, um, mm-hmm. are there any traditional traditional offerings that have come down through the, you know, through the years that uh, might be her favorites? Um, the standard traditional offering um, is honey water, which would have been mead probably then. Um, but they're odd, eggs, uh, garlic odd things, you know. But when I look at garlic and I look, they're all like eggs are very fertile. You know, they're symbols of growth and life. And so I tried leaving an egg outside one time 
and that didn't work very well. The egg sat there forever and a day. Nobody ever broke it. And I began to think my neighbors were going to think I was really crazy. <laughs> it was by a tree in my yard. <laughs> so I picked it up. <clears throat> and I've learned since to put my offerings out there that I know the squirrels or the feral cats we eat. But inside I use honey water. Okay. Honey water is loved and by all the deities, at least the Greek ones. So let me uh, ask you about um, uh, Hecate's tribe. Is that the name of the Facebook group? Um, Facebook group is called Tribe Hecate, her witches today. Okay. I have a website. I have a website that's tribe hecatecom Say that again. I originally was going to call it Tribe Hecate. Excuse me. Um, Say the say the name of your website again, so that people can find it if if you don't mind. Sure, Tribe T R I B E hyphen Hecate with a K dot com. So I do spell it with a K, not a T. Okay. And, um, Just for reference, the K uh, is the Greek way and the C is the Roman way. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that. Um, so what, um, aside from the, the Facebook group, which I think you said is Tribe Hikate, uh, uh, what, um, uh, and you mentioned the book, Circle of Hikate, which would be a book that sort of tells you everything you might need to know about her. It's, it's um, if, great. If it's the best one out there. Take, is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, do you know who the author is? Sarita de Este. Okay. It's S O R I T A D hyphen E S T E. So the, you talked about some Zoom uh, Zoom rituals. Are those open to the public? <laughs> Um, they're open by invitation. You know, if someone were to email me and ask that they would like to participate, all that can be found on the website. Um, on the, you know, the the URL that I gave, um, there's a contact form that can be used. And, um, it's an outline of things that we do actually through my seminary, which we didn't even talk about. I offer a master's degree program through the seminary, which is kind of fun. I haven't, I haven't gotten yet to the beyond master's, but for anyone that has a already has a bachelor's degree, they can earn a master of divinity degree through our seminary. And, and study Hecate. Um, what else? <laughs> and, and does that lead to legal or, ordination? Yes. Okay. It does. Okay. Um, well, Deanne, I want to give you the last word here. Um, you're welcome to, um, you know, talk about anything you like, uh, the seminary or more on Hikate, um, uh, you know, the Fellowship of Isis, you know, whatever it is you, um, you know, uh, want to share here in these in these closing thoughts. Hmm. I think it's kind of a weird departure that I took. Um, You know, the apple branch, all of our rituals in the apple branch are feminist, Dianic, and 
our fairy craft section is all based on Celtic things. So it's a big departure for me to go to Greece. But Hecate does move in mysterious ways, and she pulled me down into Greek mythology, which I never even really liked years ago. And it pulled me into working with men for the first time, and my goodness, you know, I've always worked with only women, and now I'm working with guys and kind of liking it. And I'm even working with male deities. So it's just how she moves. You know, she opens all those doors that we're crossing. And the great thing about her is that, you know, how hesitant you might be to go across a threshold, you just can't make a decision. Eventually, if she's with you, she's going to push you through. But the wonderful thing is she's on the other side guiding you. So you yeah. don't ever have to really be yeah. afraid to cross those thresholds. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, you know, how often have we met challenges in life, which is, you know, kind of, uh, I think, synonymous with crossing the threshold. And in the moment, mm-hmm. in that stepping into the newness, um, it, you feel vulnerable. There's trepidation. You feel, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the the uncertainty. But then, you know, after you kind of acclimate, uh, you often even find what a gift that uh, that new path was. You know, exactly, exactly. That happens yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you know, I, um, you know, you're you're making me think about so many things, Deanne. Um, you know, Isis, uh, <laughs> Hathor, and and Bast have um, their sacred rattle called the Sistrum, and Herodotus right, said, yeah, and Herodotus said when they shook their Sistrum, they kept the energies from the universe flowing. Now, if you kind of run a parallel track with that, and you say okay, um, look at that from a psychological standpoint, um, that we have to keep evolving. We have to keep crossing the threshold. You know, we have to keep um, uh, going down these new paths. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it almost feels like it's a similar um, uh, advice, uh, if you will, that, you know, goddess is uh, kind of nudging us to continue to grow and expand. Like you said, you started with yes. Dianics, and now you're also with, you know, teaching men, and, and uh, you know, you're working with male deities. You know, that inclusivity, uh, that big umbrella, you know, um, I don't know. I'm just I'm just seeing the parallels, you know, between and here's Egyptian mm-hmm. goddesses, <laughs> you know. Um, right. Well, even with, Isis uh, was completed with, with Hecate. You know that. I mean, they were seen as the same goddess in parts of the world. I didn't know that. And, I didn't and, know that. Um, yes, and there's a there's a Greek deity Sep, Septo. I can't remember his name now. Sorry. Anyway, he was made up between, like to a Greek god and, a, and an Egyptian god and put together and made into a new god for Hecate because she was into all the Egyptian stuff. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. But, yes, you're going back to what you said, life is all about change. That, that's the one constant that we have in life is that come change. 
Yeah. Um, could you could you be referring to Serapis, who was the yes. there you go. of Apis Zeus and Zeus? Yes. Yeah, Zeus and yes. Osiris. Yes. Zeus and Osiris. That's him. Um, you That's know, him. Uh, tell me. Tell me just a little bit more about Isis being aligned with Hecate. Uh, is, is there more? Is there more to it to tell me? Because um, I'm particularly resonating with that idea because I've certainly been uh, been on a road of changes, challenges, and thresholds lately. The only thing I've ever seen is that sometimes I will see the epithets, and it's been both ways. It's been Isis, Hecate or Hecate, Isis, you know, but it it means that they've taken on, one of the other has taken on the attributes of the other. And in certain areas of the world, they were seen together as one. It's it's, interesting. Yeah, well, you have, I I look at Hecate, she's an energy current to me. She flows everywhere. And she has all these names because we see her in so many different ways wherever she is. Yeah. Well, and you know, it kind of goes back to something a friend told me once. She sees goddess mm-hmm. as a diamond in all of these different names we have for her, whether it be Hecate, mm-hmm. Sepmet, Kali, uh, Persephone, you know, any, any of them, you know, whatever tradition you're talking about, they are all just facets of this one beautiful diamond. And uh, I know that's, you know, kind of is getting into monotheism, perhaps, maybe, uh, on, <laughs> on, one, uh, as- on one aspect, you know. Um, but uh, it, it makes sense to me. I mean, I know I've been in museums yeah. and I've seen Isis conflated with Aphrodite, you know, these beautiful mm-hmm. statues of the two in one, or Isis Fortuna with the you know, with the cornucopia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, right. you know, when we had these d- different traditions that would occupy the same temple, we often had this happen where, you know, goddesses of two separate uh, traditions would be blended, right. um, you know, right. uh, blended into one. Yeah. There's but I statue. didn't think about I Isis you where... Go yeah, ahead. That is one. And, and there's a statue in... Um, of Sybil or Cabalia or however you might say her name, you know, so many different ways, just like Hecate. Um, there is a statue of her at the base of kind of like where the robes flow down over the side of the throne. There are two other small, I guess they're carvings in the statue. On one side it's Hermes and on one side it's Hecate. And that's with interesting. Yeah, beautiful. Right, right. Well, you know, Turkey was an interesting melting pot, you know, Mm. um, and uh, and I think that uh, that might have something to do with it. You had a lot of these goddesses who blended together over there, you know. um, Right. But 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 anyway, this was really an interesting and informative conversation, well, Deanne. Fun. I I so appreciate your time. Um, and well, you're very welcome. Uh, it was fun. So, and and thank you for bringing Hikate to all the listeners out there. <laughs> well, at least my version of her, right? <laughs> but just remember, okay. she is That's roaring. Okay. 
<laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I believe, uh, I believe she is roaring because we do st- We stand on the threshold of a new tomorrow, and um, I think we're all feeling it. And it, it's, it, it can be scary, but it can also be exhilarating. You know, we can either, right. you know, ride this train, you know, white knuckled in in fear, or we can think of it as this exhilarating roller coaster ride. You know, and yeah, sometimes we're going to scream. But um, but you know we it it, uh, it it's exciting too in a way. Exactly, exactly. Uh, well, Dan, thank you so much again. Uh, you're always welcome to come back on the show. Um, you know, maybe when it becomes a holy time of Akate, if you'd like to come back, you know, get in touch. And, um, you know, maybe there's even a, a way to possibly do a Hakate ritual on the air or something. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we can talk about that. Yeah, we should. <laughs> that would be interesting. There's no reason why you couldn't. Okay. I did students by phone <laughs> one time, so. Well, you know, now that all of these Zoom things are happening, um, you know, it's been making me think about, um, you know, other possibilities. In fact, in a few weeks, Joe Carson is going to be doing a feriferia ritual. Um, So anyway, you know, maybe we can think about uh, doing something for Akate as well. Awesome. Thank you very much, Karen. All right. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, friends, uh, friends, fans, colleagues, I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, I will be back with you uh, next Wednesday. Uh, Marguerite Rebolioso is with me. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, an expanded look at uh, Mary, uh, Mary the mother of Jesus, uh, because she's uh, you know, she's been very limited in her aspects in Christianity, and uh, uh, so many of us believe there's so much more. In fact, Marguerite Rigoliozo, in part of her thesis, uh, she uncovered a lot more about Mary than the average person knows. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that um, next Wednesday, the 12th, and on the 19th of August, um, producer Emmanuel Etier of Wonderland Entertainment uh, is with me, and he's going to be talking about some important uh, documentaries um, that uh, he has made, uh, four or five documentaries I I believe you're going to want to know about. Uh, I believe it speaks to uh, this threshold time uh, that we're we're living in. So, uh, and then on the 26th, uh, Judith Shaw uh, is going to be here, and uh, uh, Judith is going to be talking to me about sacred spirit animals and, and their goddesses. So um, lots of good stuff uh, coming up later on in the month, and um, uh, and you might know if you're a regular listener, uh, once a month I offer you uh, a, a sacred reading and meditation from my book, Goddess Calling. That's actually going to be on a special day. Uh, I'm going to be doing that on Saturday the 15th uh, at 11 a.m. So if you've been tuning into those, Uh, Mark your calendar for the 15th at 11. But as I always say, uh, the best thing to do is click the follow button on the show page, and uh, that will result in you getting an email in your inbox. And then you don't have to wonder who's the guest this week. Uh, You don't have to come find us. Um, It just makes it so much easier. Uh, You can click right uh, onto the show from that link that you'll get in your email, and it just takes all the hassle out and all 
all the thought and all the worry. Uh, it's too convenient not to do. So please click the follow button. All right. Um, please have a wonderful week. Uh, please find ways to be good to yourself. Uh, please do your best to look at everything that's happening as the, in the world as necessary for us to create the new world we have all been talking about. Uh, it wasn't going to be easy. Um, what do they say? You have to break eggs to make an omelet. So we're in the egg-breaking phase. All right. Thanks, listeners. Um, until Wednesday, I will uh, see you then. Bye-bye.